Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson. I am back home until Sunday. Sunday's going to be kind of a strange day. I'm just going to drive up to a three-hour radio show, drive back, um, then be there pretty much the rest of the week starting Tuesday. Um, Just a little nugget here. This year, I have a new responsibility with the Steelers. I am going to do the first hour of the pre-pregame show. Tim Benz and I, uh, for all away games, Dale's going to do the home games. So you can catch me there. And then about an hour before the game, I do a call in as well for the pregame show. And then I'm also going to watch the game from the studio and those two away games. I'm going to host the postgame show, which call in if you want, you know, so um, so going to be doing a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm going to do my best to get you guys a postgame podcast it might be saturday morning though depending on you know uh, how late i'm there sometimes you're there for that post game show till 1 a.m 2 a.m whatever by the time you get home anyway um tomorrow i'll do some things to look for kind of go over my article this week a lot of good feedback from you guys on that but there's two things i want to talk to you guys about and it's kind of around the division to be honest with you Sam Monson does really good work with PFF, and he was a guest on our Peacock and Williamson show a month or so ago, whatever. Uh, I'm a fan of how he approaches the game. And what he's been doing is going division by division with some, like, far-fetched predictions, you know, like things that are out there a little bit. I mean, he's not betting his reputation on it or anything like that, but I wanted to go through all the ones in the division Focus on the Steelers, of course, and then we're going to talk some D-line stuff in the the uh, second half of the, of the show. So, for the Ravens, these are his big, bold predictions, I think is what they call. Lamar Jackson will set a career-high PFF passing grade. I 100% agree. And you guys might not like hearing this, but I may put a couple bucks down on Lamar to win... MVP. Yeah, I mean, I think this new system will work out well. There is a lot of doubt with it, but the receivers he's thrown to in his career 
are remarkably bad. And frankly, it's sort of front, front office malpractice. I mean, people forget he was on his rookie deal up until now. And the receivers they gave him under that situation aren't exactly Jamar Chase and T. Higgins or even go get Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, those type of things. So I am expecting a huge year from Lamar. I am targeting him very, very heavily in fantasy. Here's the second bold prediction. This isn't super bold, but Baltimore will sign a starting nickel cornerback before the season. Maybe. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that one. Marlon Humphreys, their best defensive back. He can do both, but I do think he prefers the outside at this point. So that makes some sense. They're kind of a slot corner short at the moment. Now, this is something the Ravens would love is David David Ajabo, the kid out of Michigan who missed all last year, basically tore his Achilles at his pro day. Talk about tragic, man. How would awful would you feel after you're be a first round pick you tell your tear your achilles at your pro day but they need them to i mean they have Oway out of penn state and they have a jabo both of whom are tremendous athletes tremendously unproven last i heard jadavian Clowney was visiting there so we'll get to the ravens d line more in the second half of the podcast but if david if a jabo can get eight to 12 sacks that would be huge for them i have my doubts to be honest with you Okay, the Bengals. This one's not super exciting, but a mid-round receiver pick, Charlie Jones, finds a way to significantly contribute as a rookie. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over that one. It's not the most bold prediction in the world. There's some better ones we'll get to. Obviously, they have Chase Higgins Boyd. Trent Irwin played a lot for them last year. Maybe. I mean, maybe. They also got the fast kid from Purdue whose name's hard to pronounce. Um, this one I kind of have a hunch about as well, and I've been grabbing him in fantasy as well. Irv Smith Jr., tight end, has a Pro Bowl season for the Bengals. I can see that. I really like this player. He's really had a hard time staying on the field. The Bengals may have snuck one past the league here and had Burrow's best tight end in Smith if he can stay healthy. And I can see back to the old point here. I can see Tyler Boyd's role decreasing a little bit as he age. This one would be very disheartening if you're a Bengals fan, but I could see it. Joe Burrow remains a top five most sacked quarterback. Some of that's on him, especially early in his career. I mean, he's tough as can be. He sits in the pocket to the last minute. But early in his career, they had very bad lines. And now they've invested and invested and invested. But I don't know that it's a huge upgrade. You know, Jonah Williams was a bad left tackle, so they're going to stick him on the right side. He's probably going to be a bad right tackle. You know, so I think Orlando Brown is an overrated player. So I could see that. And not to mention the guy's coming off a pretty major calf injury, and I don't know when Burrow's going to see the field. I mean, that, that to me more and more sounds unlikely that Burrow is there for week one. You're not going to like this one, but well, I'll tell you in a second. Cleve Brownies. Miles Garrett wins Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's going to be my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's his turn. There's so much more around him now. That scheme will let him, quote, pin his ears back more and a lot more wide nine stuff. The people he will play off of are the best of his career, hitting his prime. I often tell you there's five elite edge rushers. He's, of course, one of them. So is TJ, of course. 
but I am on board with that bold prediction. Here's another one. Dewan Jones becomes a starting right tackle by the end of the season. I can see that too. I think Jack Conklin has been a good player, but he's kind of on borrowed time, beat up, getting kind of rickety at this age. And oh, by the way, he's also quite expensive. I don't think he'll be a Brown past this season. So maybe they start to put the behemoth Jones in there from Ohio State. This is another one I agree with and is a, has massive fantasy overtones. Nick Chubb sets a new career high for receiving. Now, I don't think he's become Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, but I've been drafting Chubb like crazy in my best ball drafts because even if he catches 10 to 20 more passes with Kareem Hunt gone, that's huge. And I could see him having his best season as a pro. I think he's just a tremendous player and might assert himself as the best back in the league. All right, here is the Steeler ones, and they are all positive. This one's not super out on a limb. It sounds better than it is in reality. Kenny Pickett throws for three times as many touchdown passes as his rookie year. Well, he only threw seven. I mean, getting to 21 isn't that bonkers. So I agree, but that does sound crazy. Three times more touchdowns. But I did find this interesting too. He 14 quarterbacks threw for more than 20 touchdowns last season. So Pickett tripling his rookie total is very attainable. And remember, I think it was 69 quarterbacks started a game last year. I mean, the quarterback position was crushed by injuries. So 14 of them got to 20. I bet they get to 16 or 17 this year. All right. Next one. I think he's in a very good chance of this. And I'm trying not to be too Homer-esque, but I am really, really warming up to this idea. Pittsburgh is back in the playoffs. They mentioned getting Watt back, Pickett improving, of course, Tomlin. Pro Football Focus and Sam Monson are really high on the Steelers' offseason moves. Yeah, I mean, if they were in the NFC, I would put everything I own they're going to go to the playoffs. I'm more worried about the competition in the, in the conference and division, but the schedule is really favorable too. Here's another one I agree with. Steelers O-line ranks in the top 10 by the end of the season. So, after the start of the 2022 season, the Steelers offensive line placed 30th in PFF's rankings. That group improved as the year wore on and ended up in the middle of the pack and finishing 12th in the, by, by the final ranks. Then you add Jones. Of course, you add Salamalu. They're not going to stay as healthy there, of course. But I think this is a top 10 offensive line, and few seem to agree with me out there in the national media. I think there's a misconception that this is a, a liability. I don't think it is at all, and I also think it is very, very deep. So we're going to do some other stuff focused on the division, but mostly the Steelers in the second half here. Be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Speaking of line play, I have referenced Brandon Thorne quite a bit, and I have tremendous respect for him. To me, he's Matt Harmon's the wide receiver guy. Brandon Thorne is the lineman guy, both defensive and offensive. And he put out his defensive line rankings pass rushers. You know, this is only this is based off pass rushing. So he's counting TJ Watt as a lineman, as I told you a million times. He's not a linebacker. We're talking about guys that line up on the line of scrimmage on defense. So some pretty enticing things here. And again, I don't disagree. Elite pass rushing lines. He tears them. Number one is the Cowboys. Okay. I mean, Lawrence, Parson, just use a first round pick on a nose. Number two, the team coming to town. And I've just been writing a preview for Steelers Digest of the Niners game and found this little nugget that this won't shock you. Bosa was Defensive Player of the Year. They were at the top of the league of sacks that came from their edge guys, but really low from the interior. So what do they do? They go sign our old buddy, Javon Hargrave. So yeah, I can't fight you too much that the Niners are probably the second best pass rushing defensive front. But guess who's third? Yep, your Pittsburgh Steelers. And here is what Brandon had to say about the Steelers. Pittsburgh will remain in the top tier for the foreseeable future thanks to Cameron Hayward defying time and still dominating at 34 years old, while TJ Watt rejoins the lineup after suffering a season-ending pectoral tear, well, it wasn't season-ending, and last year's opener against the Bengals. Rounding out the unit's trio is Alex Highsmith, a potent cog in the machine with plus burst, a relentless motor, and a series of signature moves, including a deadly ghost technique and inside spin that he used to finish third overall and true sack rate last year. Let me stop right there just for a second. True sack rate is a stat accumulation, whatever, that Brandon created himself. And I don't know exactly how it works. But true sack rate measures the degree of difficulty of your sacks. Like, I know this isn't exactly how he does it, but if if Alex Highsmith, they they don't even block the guy, he comes screaming in, makes a sack, that gets like a one out of 10, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, maybe it's one out of three. I don't know his system exactly. Whatever, you're getting the idea. If he beats a double team and has tremendous then he gets a 10 out of 10 you know what i mean so he accumulates this sack rate as a true sack rate because fluky ones everybody gets them you know but really judges how good you are as a pass rusher and again highsmith was third overall in this true sack rate metric last year now i'm sure many of you know and i i have said this as well his number of pressures isn't exactly where you want it and pressures are a little stickier than sacks, but his degree of difficulty of sacks was quite high. So I'm a Highsmith believer. Here's how he, he mentions this here. He, after those three, the team is rounded out by a solid interior splash presence in Larry Ogunjobi, uh, second round pick Keanu Benton, a high end rotational set of edge rushers and Marcus Golden, as well as Nick Herbig forming a high-floor, high-ceiling seven-man rotation. Couldn't have said it better myself. He didn't even mention Liao, who I think could you know, break out, but take a step forward. Um, just to round out the top tier, the Eagles, they had 70 sacks last year. The Jets. So that's it. Now, where else in the – who on the division 
where do they stack up against the number three Steelers? Mentioned how excited I am about Garrett and those around them. Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, Ogoronko. Um, they drafted, uh, what's his name? The kid out of Missouri I liked as well. They come in at 11. Can't fight that too much. I mean, they're right behind the Chiefs, right ahead of the Chargers. Uh, the Bengals will be next on the list, but I keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. And they come in at 22, below average pass rushing defensive lines. So, an interesting thing he says here, the, you know, Sam Hubbard recorded a lot of pressures for the, the Bengals. But after he really studied them and did like his true sack rate stuff, he said a lot of those were off of scheme rather than skill. You know, where Highsmith was off of skill. Um, that's Hendrickson. That's first round pick, Miles Murphy, Hubbard, Joseph Asai, who kind of had a Calvin Austin like year where rookie, you know, missed the, the whole season because he got injured. Zach Carter, BJ Hill, DJ Reader on the inside. But they came in 22nd. And I mean, the, de- the defensive linemen in the league are sick, but it's a tough competition, but they're below average. You notice we have not got to the Ravens yet. I am scrolling. I am scrolling. And they are in tier five. Pass rushing defensive line liabilities. And I've been saying this forever. So I'm kind of like happy he backed me up. I mean, we're talking about Owe and Ajabo, Tyus Bowser, Broderick Washington on the interior who they just extended, and Justin Matabuke, who is probably the, the only consistent rock solid dude of the group. I'm a Matabuke believe, believer, but they're really counting on Owe, Ajabo, guys like that that are, you know, real wild cards to create their pass rush and making things worse for the Ravens in this regard. They're known as a crazy blitz team and they were under Wink Martindale, who's now with the Giants. They're not anymore. It's a lot of simulated pressures. It's a lot of rushing for, I don't have the horses to do it. You know, like, I skipped over this with the Niners, but, you know, their week one opponent, very low blitz rate team. You know, they rush four and they're better when they rush four. The Raven, but they got Bosa and Hargrave and Armstead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ravens don't have the horses to pull that off. So that's my biggest concern with the Ravens this year. So hope you enjoyed it. Kind of went around the division, focus on the Steelers as always, did a couple different things over and out. <laughs> 